Welcome back to the Mark's Life Podcast. We have episode two. We are gathered here with Michael, Jason, and Brendan, and we're just excited to talk about the body today. Do we know who is who yet? Have we introduced that on the podcast? And no. We did talk about names last week, though. We did talk about so names. maybe, but, oh, but it's like, but it's not who's in, talking. That wasn't in that episode. Yeah, that we was. We didn't put that in the episode. Oh, you're right. And this is Are like, we going to put that in this episode? We probably won't. Probably not. No, that was a long topic. Yeah, it was. That was, was a, a long, long conversation. Maybe that'll be a podcast of its own. This is the first real podcast, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because the first one was more of the intro, setting the stage. So here we are now. So yes, we need to introduce ourselves. Let's so do it. Let's do it. Kick us off. I'm Michael. This is this is Michael. We'll start there. We'll get to know ourselves over the course of however long this is. Yeah. I'm Jason. Uh, some call me Jason Oaks. Do they? I like to think you that think they do, you, yeah. you do. Yeah. Has anyone? I, went, ever I did actually? go for a push. I went for a push about a month and a half ago. I really was going to incorporate my middle name in, but uh, kind of wore off. Call him Jay Oaks. Week. Give y'all give y'all's full names, just because names are important. Michael Bradford Crowther. Mm. And I'm Jason Oaks McCluskey. That's good. Any other information we need to give? I think that's good. That's I good. Think, I think that does it. Yeah. Um, my name's Brendan Robert Campana. Oh, yeah. Robert. Yeah, that's right. Forgot about Brendan. Yeah. And I'm glad to be here with these guys talking about the body of Christ and what does it mean for us and just talking about it. We've done our research independently. I have no idea what these guys have <laughs> brought to the table and they don't know what I've brought. And we're just going to talk for about a half hour. Uh, I'm going to start the timer here in a second just to make sure it's pointed for you guys who are listening to know how long to expect this conversation to be. And we'll go ahead and let Michael kick it off because I know he's got something good for us. So we'll start timer starts now. Brendan's putting us on the clock. On the clock. Let's go. Okay, you know where we're going with this. This is the body of Christ. Mm. I'm going to start us off in 1 Corinthians 12. And specifically, and I'm just going to read the word and what jumps out to me and the, the, the major points that God has shown me are the things I'm going to dive into. But I'm going to start in verse 12 from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then I'll jump back to a few things, maybe from the opening section for just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body. So also is Christ. If we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. Now, this is a big one right here. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. Mm. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. So I'm going to stop here for a second. And I think one of the biggest points of emphasis is what's happening. We, we need to identify ourselves in this. The foot is saying because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. The foot is not seeing its value. Mm -hmm. It's seeing what the hand is doing. And it's like, oh, I, I can't do that. I can't pick things up. So I don't belong to the body. It's, it's the foot not knowing its identity. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the, the ear looking at the eye. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? The whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? As it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted just as he wanted going back up to verse 11 one in the same spirit 
is active in all of these. It's talking about the spiritual gifts, distributing to each person as he wills. So all of us, all of us specifically have a distinct role in the body given to us by God. I think that is so handpicked for us by God. Mm-hmm. Like before the beginning of time, he, he knew us, he saw us, he, he formed us in our mother's womb. And we, we need to receive that from him. That is, that yeah. is huge. Anybody want to jump in on some thoughts there? Because I could go all day on this. Well, that even goes into um, the diversity of the body and how like that mm-hmm. is that is what makes it beautiful. That what that's what makes it makes it function. Like you said, if there's just a bunch of foots hanging around, they they're not tied in together. That's not a that's not a body. That's just parts. And and honestly, that principle goes back. I was looking into Isaiah 56, and y'all will recognize this. Um, this verse it's in verse seven but it says even those i will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer their burnt Mm. offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar for my house will be a called a house of prayer for all the peoples or for Mm -hmm. all nations that same word transcribes in the new testament all over the place ethnic it's literally every tribe tongue nation it's not just talking about you know countries it's talking about cultures it's talking about languages it's talking about this beautiful diversity the how the glory of the lord will cover the face of the earth as the water covers the seas mm. habakkuk habakkuk man mm. it's incredible but it's like that points out the diversity of his desire like that like his promise to abraham it was it was for the blessing of all the peoples of the earth this principle goes back to the very start of god's promises to mankind mm-hmm. and I mean, so it's, it makes sense that in the new covenant now, as we're the body of Christ, both globally, you know, the big C church and here locally with our local body, um, the diversity is really what, what makes it stand out. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing and it empowers everyone because it's like, man, you look different than me. You've got these different gifts than me. You've got a different role than me. Like, thank God for that. I can't do what you do, you know? Um, I, I just I love how that how that theme just transcribes across honestly all of mm-hmm. human history. And the diversity is beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. That's I think a lot of what we can miss when we start comparing like what the foot and and what was it, the ear were doing. And then that goes both ways too. Like the foot's looking at the hand is like, Oh, I'm not a hand. I don't belong to the body. Mm. And then on the other side of that, it says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So here we are, we have the foot saying to the hand, I don't belong. And then, gosh, I always forget which body part it is. The eye and the ear. Yeah. That, yeah. Then the eye says to the hand, I don't need you. And so first we, in both of them are actually a form of pride. The first being mm-hmm. a pride that's rooted in insecurity, self-consciousness of thinking, I can't do what they do, therefore I don't, I don't belong. belong. Wow, yeah. Right. And then the eyes looking at the hand is like, they can't do what I do, therefore yeah. they don't belong. Yeah. And that creates division. And division oh, is one of goodness. the most poisonous things that can happen yeah. to the body. When you look at where do either of those parts hear that they don't find value? Like, where do they think that comparison comes from? Because we look around, Mm -hmm. it's like, 
you see a preacher on stage a lot of times or a pastor and it's like, it's easy to compare to like, Oh, I'm not a pastor. Like I don't matter in the church, but it says, where did that come from? Like who created that lie? Who created that misconception? Because there are so many different roles in the body of Christ, so many different opportunities to step in and become step into serving, step into opportunities to grow and to be, I hate to say the word useful, but really it's like, you know, it talks about when this quote, one of these quotes from CS Lewis, um, he says, if you're worried about the people outside, the most unreasonable thing you can do is remain outside yourself. Christians are Christ's body. Every addition to that body enables him to do more. Mm. If you want to help those outside, you must add your own little cell to the body of Christ who along can help them. Cutting off a man's finger would be an odd way of getting him to do more work. Mm. And I think we so easily cut ourselves off from the body because we don't see ourselves fitting in. But again, I would I honestly, it's like, where does that, where does that opinion come from? because it's obviously not from the Lord and it can easily come from ourselves, but there's so many outside sources in our modern culture that yeah. push that you have to look a certain way. Even in the church, it's found right. its way into it. And even going on, like adding to that, it's like we have such an indiv- like a individualistic mm-hmm. society that and culture that pushes like, you know, be, in the, be an individual, like you do your own thing, to be dependent. Mm-hmm. Like don't you don't need anyone else. All you need is you like the self-reliance that is anti-gospel because we're told to submit ourselves to one another. We're yeah, supposed to mm-hmm. humble ourselves to one another and and we can't do it all. Like we we clearly see like the body of Christ has different parts. You can only you can only be like the part that God has made you to be. And so if you're if you're like that foot, you know, you can be the foot and you can walk well and you can have strength and you can step, you know, but you you can't be an eye. You can't be an ear. Um, at least in, in the local body that you're part of. I do believe that there's potential for God to, you know, maybe uh, maybe you move and there's another new body. You know, we don't lack any good thing in, in the body. And so it's like, mm-hmm. I believe God has the ability to, to change around and the grace for different seasons, for different body parts and different, you know, uses Absolutely. and gifts and callings within, within your life. Um, but it's a lie what culture tells us that we have this self-reliance and that's with God, our relationship with God. Self-reliance is, is a huge poison to our mm-hmm. relationship with God, but that's uh, for sure floods into all of our relationships, especially within the body. Yeah. When, when he's, when he's calling for unity and that, that's, that's an arm off by itself. You know, mm-hmm. it can be an arm, but that's not a whole body. That's an arm saying like, look at me, like flexing up. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's only so much good that that can do. And then you get to the end of that and it's like, man, I need, I need help. I've, I've quickly recently have seen a couple of things in the local church that have caused me just to pay more attention to. And it's people that I've been concerned about in the local church. And so far there's two kinds of people that I've been concerned about. It's one, the person who doesn't ask questions mm. in the local church, who thinks that they know the answer to everything that they have. They mm-hmm. stop asking questions to friends. They stop asking questions to leadership or pastors or whoever it looks like above them and authorities in their life. And they become, re- they've retreated into their own thinking that they can figure it out on their own. So that's the one kind of person who don't, they don't ask questions. The other one is they don't ask for prayer. And I found, especially in the local church, where people, people become so known yeah. that they feel like no longer can they ask for prayer because they don't want to be seen yeah. thinking that they have issues that they're struggling with. And all of a sudden now they've fallen into isolation mm-hmm. and away from the body of Christ without realizing it because they think they've grown in the body. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm a stronger believer than I was, but all of a sudden now they've put pride yeah. where humility used to be in growing. And now they've 
isolated themselves from the body of Christ. And I'm seeing mm-hmm. it more and more. Those are just two examples, but I think it's the same for any, really anything you could think of, of isolation, of pride, of all these things where now they've pulled themselves away from the body of Christ and didn't even realize they've done it. They're around it at church, but inside they have removed themselves. They've mm-hmm. cut off their own finger, as C.S. Lewis quoted. And humility is the call there. Mm. It's always humility. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one of Paul's, one of my favorite exhortations from Paul in Philippians 2. It says, value one another above yourselves. In humility, mm-hmm. value one another above yourselves. Yeah. And, and when Christ is telling us how to abide in him from John 15, he says to keep his commands, which is this, love one another. Mm. To value others above, uh, mm-hmm. above ourselves and to love one another is how we can most stay united. And I have been guilty of isolating myself and judging other parts of the body and saying, yeah, me too. they can't yeah, do what I... all have. Right, right. I mean, I've, I've been guilty of being the foot saying to the hand, I don't belong, and then the mm-hmm. eye saying to the hand, I don't need you. I've been guilty of mm-hmm. both sides of that. Yeah. And I love what you had said. You, the word empowered really stuck mm-hmm. out to me. And I wrote this down. It said the gospel message is meant to empower God's people, not Amen. discourage us. And yeah. We're to step into our God-given gifting. I mean, just think mm-hmm. of the Beatitudes. When, when Jesus really, his, one of his greatest introductions to preaching the message of the kingdom of heaven is blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. The poor in spirit, the spiritually poor. For theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, that is so empowering. Blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. So let us seek meekness. Let us be oh, poor in spirit. Amen. Let us be humble, valuing one another above ourselves, yeah. loving one another to remain in him, remaining in Christ, who is the body, who is the oh, head. Oh, my goodness. And that's, lit- that's the DNA of the body of Christ. I, mm. I believe that. That's, that's literally what has to be fully just soaked and saturated into his body is humility is gentleness is meekness is mm-hmm. like like jesus being the full representation of the image of god comes down he expresses himself he expresses his heart what did he say i am gentle and lowly mm-hmm. or humble mm-hmm. at heart so like that like the heart is where the blood you know it starts in the heart and that's the organ that pumps the blood out to every single body part, every toe, all the way up to the top of your head. Mm-hmm. His heart is gentle, humble, lowly, meek. That's the DNA. That's what keeps the body. Mm-hmm. That's the that's what keeps the body operating and moving and keeps sickness out. You know, and the same thing. His blood shed for us as a representation of his love for us. So it's it's both this gentleness, this humility, but it's this love as well. That's that's. I mean, that's what has to be mm-hmm. in full operation for the body to be unified and to be operating in the same way that Jesus Christ himself, when he walked this earth, operated. I believe that we can walk in the same way that he did if we are unified body in those things. I really do. Mm. That's good. That's good. I love the, the DNA, the heartbeat metaphor. I mean, he's, that's his heart. That's what his heart beats for. Yeah. That's good. And there's, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm going to dive into this really quick. There. Dive in, brother. Oh, this, this theme of unity, okay? Are we going John 17? Is that where you're going with this? I'm, 
I'm sure John 17 folds into this nicely, <laughs> okay, but, I, okay. but that's not where I'm going. <laughs> Would so have been crazy if that was it. It's this is in Second Chronicles. So Whoa. this Whoa. is throwing Old Testament, dude. The Lord dropped this. This is this is beautiful. So this is just after, you know. So David's like, Lord, I'm gonna build a house for you. Like you've been dwelling in this tent. I'm gonna build your house. God's like, you would do that for me. Like I'm gonna build you a house. Like I'm gonna establish your descendants on the throne forever and ever. And he's like, but I'll allow your son to build me a house, a temple. Mm-hmm. So this is just, so we're in Second Chronicles 5. This is just after Solomon completes the building of the temple. And we're going to read just a little bit here, but this is, this is deep. This is really good, guys. It says in this, we're starting in verse 11, 2 Corinthians 5, 11. It says, the glory of God fills the temple. When the priests came out of the holy place, they just brought in the ark. They just literally just completed the building. They brought in the ark on these like giant poles uh, and they drop it in there. So, all right, so when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests were present, um, who were present had sanctified themselves, separating themselves from everything unclean without regard to their assigned divisions. That's in parentheses. Anyways, and all of the Levitical singers, Asaph, Hemon, Jedithan, with their sons and relatives, clothed themselves in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And they were standing at the east end of the altar. And with them, 120 priests blowing their trumpets in unison when the trumpeteers and the singers were, all, were to make themselves heard with one voice, praising and thanking the Lord. And when they raised their voices, accompanied by the trumpets and cymbals and other instruments of music, and when they praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, and his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Then the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not remain standing to minister because of the cloud. For the glory and the brilliance of the Lord filled the house of God. So there, this is like, this is a assembly of people. Like this is all these people and they're singing, they're gathering in one voice. They're unified in, their, in the consecration of the temple and in their praise to God. And he comes down and he fills the temple with cloud. But it continues. Second Chronicles 6, next chapter. So Solomon, he's, he's got this giant prayer. And anyways, I'll skip the, the direct details of, of this whole prayer. It's super long and beautiful. And Daniel later on like references it when he's praying out of his window towards Jerusalem and God hears his prayer. It's that prayer, but but it says for Solomon had a, had made a bronze platform five cubits square and three cubits high, and he had set it in the middle of the courtyard, and he stood on it, and he knelt down on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands toward heaven. So Solomon, the leader, the king, humbles himself before God in view of the entire assembly of Israel. And then next thing, last last thing, the next chapter, when Solomon had finished praying. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory and the brilliance of the Lord filled the house. The priests could not enter the house because the Lord had filled his glory and brilliance so deeply. When all the people of Israel saw how the fire came down and saw the glory and brilliance of the Lord upon the house, they all bowed down on the stone pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, and his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. This is literally the body being unified. Like this, back in the day, the temple, you know, it started out, I think, I believe it started in the garden where man walked with God in the cool of the day. And then it turns into this tent where they're either nomadic Israel's traveling throughout 
wandering in the wilderness, God meets with them through it, through the tent. And then it travels into this temple, the first temple, then there's a second temple, and then it's Jesus, and now it's us. This is a representation of God's heart for unity in his house. People, so the people inside the house are, they are unified with one voice. They're praising God. They're worshiping. There's humility involved. There's praise to God involved. And then fire comes down, representing God's presence and his spirit and his glory coming down, fills the temple, consumes all the offerings. People on the outside, yes, they're Israelites, but they're outside the temple. They're not in the temple. They see the fire fall on this unified temple and they bow down and worship God. That has so many implications for today's church, for mm-hmm. the temple of God to be unified. Christ is going to fill his unified church. He's going to fill that. That's what happens at the end of time too. He's going to fill the unified body when they're unified saying, come Lord Jesus, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. But other people, this has to do with evangelism. This has to do with bringing other people into the body because they see the fire fall. They see the glory of the Lord because of you and me and the rest of the church. And they, they see that. And they can't deny that that's God moving. They worship God and result of it. That, that blew my mind today. That's profound. I'm listening to all of this. <laughs> and I just want to talk about this for the next hour and a half. <laughs> the, can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the humility in that to... Well, even with Solomon too, is that he, he built the house of the Lord before he built his own house. And like, I, one reason I know that honestly is because I've been in Haggai where they started to, they came back after the, the exile, they're going to rebuild the temple and they started for two years and then they quit for 14. And so then Haggai delivers the word of the Lord saying, you, like you build, you live in your own houses, but the house of the Lord remains yeah. unbuilt. Wow. Like Solomon spent the time to build the temple first and then he built his own house with these people after they come back from exile, worked on the house a little bit, circumstances came, they were like, ah, it must not be the timing of the Lord. And then they built their own houses to look perfection. And it's like right there, you're like, you see it on black and white, humility and pride. They Mm -hmm. thought they knew better. Mm -hmm. And when you think you know better, you start to interpret the will of the Lord differently than you're supposed to. And you become, there comes a whole lot of issues with that. But the humility, the point I want to stand with that is that Solomon, in his humility, it pendulumed a bunch of other stuff that happened after. Yeah. Like the domino fell when he was humbled himself. And I think we've seen that all in our own lives where you humble yourself. The, the, the most dangerous prayer you can pray is, Lord, Lord humble me. Just do it. Just humble me. Just humble me, God. It's the most beautiful yeah. prayer. And he will answer it every single time because that's where his heart is. That's where, like, mm-hmm. you talk about gentle and lowly at heart. There it is, humility. Yes. And that's why when you pray, like, Lord, humble me, he answers because why would he not want to? It's his own heart. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's where, his presence is. That's where his grace will fill. He, mm. God, I mean, it is literally, it starts in the Proverbs, but it's everywhere in the New Testament. I think it's one of the most quoted and referred to scriptures in the New Testament, at least in the Pauline epistles, but it's God shows favor to the humble, but opposes the proud. Mm. There's this beautiful quote from Dwight L. Moody. He was an evangelist. He says, when I was a young Christian, I thought that God kept his gifts on a shelf and the best gifts were on the highest shelves. And I would have to reach up to take grasp of it. I learned later that the best gifts are on the lowest shelf. And to get those, you have to stoop down to get them. Mm. And, and that, mm. that is played that's out. That's so good. That's so good. That's, that's so good. That play, that's played out in Jesus' life. Like, like, I mean, better obviously than anyone else has ever lived. He humbled himself to the lowest. He was the servant of all, even unto death. 
God exalts him to the highest ranking, the highest name. He's got all worth, all honor, all glory, all power because just, he humbled himself to the lowest. I'm just going to read Ephesians 2. I have to. I okay. have it pulled up. You, I mean, you do it. I mean, <laughs> this is, no, this is that verse from earlier, like <laughs> rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Mm-hmm. And this is it in your relationships with one another. That's the body have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What's the end of first Corinthians two. We have the mind of Christ. This is the mindset of Christ Jesus in our relationships with one another who Christ Jesus, being in very nature, God. 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 The very nature of God, the fullness of the deity in bodily form, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Mm. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mm. Because he humbled himself. Yeah. Yeah. What's his heart? His heart is gentle and humble. He is the example we look to. He's the head of the body. We are his body. Mm-hmm. Wow. God didn't do that because he was the son of God. He didn't exalt him to the highest places just because he was the son of God. It's because he was obedient. It's because he was humble. Right. He literally, he lives out his life as a human. He is God. He could, he says, he he did not take equality with God as something to be grasped. Right. He had it. Like it was his. He was equal with God. He is equal with God. He didn't grasp that. He used his authority and his power. He used all of that to die. Right. So how do we practically take humility and the body of Christ and combine these things into something that's like, what do we go? Like, what do you, how do you, is it just humbling yourself and then trusting the Lord to bring you into the body deeper and deeper? Is it humbling yourself to the point where you learn how to be the part of the body that you're called to be? Like, how does humility play in this? I know it's the heartbeat of Christ, of course, but like, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different ways this Mm -hmm. could play out. I always think like, how do I humble myself? Yeah. Like, what does that look like? Right. You're like, all right, I'm just going to, um, you know, ask random people and wash their feet. Like, is it just like random <laughs> stuff like that? Is it, is it just praying and asking the Lord to show me where I'm prideful? Is it like, what is it? Cause there's, there's a lot. Christ did a lot of very humble things throughout his time to demonstrate to us. I think it, I mean, I keep going back to Philippians two, three, valuing others above ourselves. Mm. I think if we really live out of that heart posture, that's gentle that's lowly. Mm. And if I'm, if I'm valuing others above my, like mm-hmm. right now, right now, if I'm value, valuing the two of you above myself, then I'm abiding in him mm-hmm. because I'm loving you guys. I'm not thinking about myself because you're more important than I am. Not that you, not that you're more important. I, I don't, I, don't let that be the foot saying to the hand, but it's because I'm valuing you above myself. 
That's that's me practically in my heart and mind applying this. Yeah, that's like the definition of humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Right. Yeah. You know, the hand is not down on itself for the part it plays, but it's just focusing on the other parts and how it can help it. I think, and I think having a correct and right view of the creator mm. is, a, is a way to bridge humility in your life mm. because, I mean, you know, we're the canvas, we're the clay. He's the potter. He's the artist. He's going to, he's going to form us and mold us in his desires, how he desires to, how he wills to. We don't have, you know, who's the, who's the pot to say to the, to the potter, why have mm-hmm. you made me this way? Right. You know, we, we see him as God, you know, as God. And then we're like, okay, you've made me this way. And no matter how great you are, it's like, I didn't make myself. I didn't make myself this great person. You know, it doesn't matter. And, and I think having that right view of God will also allow you to look at others in that way as, as, as valuing the more important, like valuing their needs before your own. We're also called to take care of our own needs. Paul says, mm-hmm. you know, no longer just care for your own needs, but care for the needs of others. Um, but also knowing that you didn't do it. You did not like, yes, you can be faithful and you can seek the Lord and all these things, but God's the one that's doing that. He's the one that supplies that power and that resource in the first place. Faith comes from God. It's a gift from God. You know, it's his grace by faith. That's how we even believe in the first place. And so it's like, God, didn't make myself this way. That person didn't make themselves that way. Like, thank you, God, for making me how I did, how you've made me, how you did, mm-hmm. and for making them how they did. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of like, I feel like how it will be in heaven. Like, we'll, we'll be humble in heaven. We'll see others' gifts and rewards of, of the heavenlies, and we'll praise God. We'll be joyous. We'll, we'll delight in their blessing. We won't be like, oh, like, I should have done that. Or yeah, I no got covenant. More. <laughs> yeah, there's no, yeah, there's, there's no envy. There's none of that. Um, and just knowing that it's, it's God that's doing it. Like, he's the potter. He, he is God. And so who are we to try to claim anything, to try to puff ourselves up in pride? It's like, oh, my gosh, remember this verse. Everything, it's in Jeremiah. Everything that we have accomplished, the Lord has done for us. Wow. Literally, he's like... Say that again. Everything that we have accomplished, the Lord has done for us, or the Lord has established for us. It's, I think it's Jeremiah 29. But it's literally like, no matter how great you are, no matter how much you've accomplished, God is the resource behind that. He, he is, he's the author of that. He's the author, the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. It, it applies to everything. Also, one more thing in humility, when you're coming before the Father... You're, you, you are righteous. We are righteous in Christ because of Christ, because of his righteousness, not by the law. Galatians talks all about that. You know, the law is basically, the, it's, you're under a curse if you're under the law. Like the point of the law is to expose your need for a savior. And then it's like, hey, the Messiah, Jesus, um, he's that savior. So we come before him boldly and in confidence, but humbly because we know we didn't get there of our own strength. We didn't get there of our own achievement or power. We got there because of the blood of Christ. And that, that mindset should invade everything. It should invade our daily lives, our thoughts, how we view others. It's everything. Yeah, I want to put some new covenant language to that from Ephesians 2. I mean, you're talking about that even the faith we, re- we received didn't come from us. Uh, mm-hmm. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. 
It is the gift of God, not by works, mm-hmm. so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork. Like, he's the potter, we're his handiwork, so good. created mm. in Christ Jesus, who lives in us now. We no longer live, he lives in us. To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He prepared them in advance. Amen. We step into it. Mm. It's an identity we receive from him by his grace. It is humility to receive from God. We, could, we can go on that for a little bit, mm-hmm. but to actually operate in our gifting and to actually celebrate others in their identity, we have to receive our identity from God in humility. That's, that's why that time in the secret place mm-hmm. with the Father, with Jesus Christ, is so important to know who he says we are because he is the one who formed us in his hands. Yeah. And when we know that God formed us in his hands in his perfect love we can look at others and love them just the way god made them to be and actually call out the way that we that he's made us yes delight in the way that he's made them right we call out the way god made them to be when Mm -hmm. they're not living that way in love in love we say god made you beautiful in the way you speak moses had a stutter yeah he couldn't he didn't like public speaking right right he had an Aaron he did he did and we need each other Moses needed wow. Aaron he did he really did David had Jonathan oh yeah Paul was not well of speech literally right? someone fell asleep and died yeah. in his sermon you don't talk about he's like yeah I got you boy like it was nothing but yeah someone fell asleep during his sermon that's a tough it's a tough crowd but like even he needed the people around him and like that's why you see in a little bit of a tangent for Acts here, but all throughout Acts, the, the gospel changes because the good news is different. It's good news mm. for different people. Mm-hmm. But like, you might not know how to relate to those people. You might not have the cultural training. You might not have the background. You might not have any idea of what actually speaks to their heart and the issues and what keeps them from the gospel and believing it and finding it as good news. But there's no way one person could ever do all of that. Mm-hmm. Of course, Christ did, but through us as people, like we have to rely on each mm-hmm. other because... There's no way you can know all that. There's no way. And so you have to have the body because without the body, it's, it's, it's stuck. I mean, one of the things we were, we we're talking about it with our creatively, like how do you explain acts and all this stuff? And, um, you know, in Pentecost, we always think of the Holy spirit as like white, right? You know what I mean? If it's a color, it's kind of like, it's white. And so we we're thinking about like, well, when the church is formed with the spirit moves, the body of Christ comes into formation in that way it's like a prism. You know how white light goes in and mm-hmm. then all of the colors yeah. come out. It's like, that's really what it wow. is. It's like the Holy spirit powerful imagery. drops moves and out from it is all of these colors. Cause that's what the body is. And, and where the colors. That, yeah. yeah. We're the colors oh. <laughs> and we are the colors. And like, that is where you see the body in its beautifulness because like the rainbow is not one color. It's many colors. It's every color. It's every color. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, the promise God gave us even back then. Oh, the promised Holy spirit. Whoa, the deep, promise of the Father? Deep. Oh my that gosh. Deep. Wow. We could go on we a whole rabbit trail really on that one. Could. So we, we'll, we'll save that. We'll, we'll, okay. we'll bring it back. That's for good. Sure. That's good. But the body of Christ is so much more than we've given credit for and that we've talked about mm-hmm. in the church. And it's so easy Truly. to look at each other and be like, oh, and I've, I've struggled celebrating. And I've realized mm. that takes away from the body. When I, I don't celebrate my own stuff, I don't celebrate, honestly, other people even the, as, as much as I should because. What I've done is like, oh, like, 
it's great. Yeah. On to the next thing or on to the next thing. And it's like, you miss the fact that if anything was done worth being accomplished, like you had said, God did it. Seriously. And if you do not celebrate it, you have missed out on what God has already done. Can and I close this? Sorry. Yeah. And well, one last thing is it's, it's this point of humility that, that I think we have to get to where it's like, I don't care if you use me, like use someone like, like, let's just like, I just want it to get done. I just want revival mm. to come. I just yeah. want this person to be saved. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter who it comes from. We're right. all the body. If one part is honored, the whole body Amen. is honored. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter. That's so good. And that's the verse I was going to close us with really? right there. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah. Instead, God has put the body together. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body. No division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if, if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Mm. Amen. So we definitely have more to talk about. And so which means we'll have to rehash this conversation in the future, near future, perhaps wherever the Lord leads us. Mm. But we said a half hour, the half hour has come and gone. And so we're going to wrap this podcast episode up with just that encouragement in the scripture reading from Michael. We are so excited. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm loving this. I'm going to be yeah, honest, just talking so about fun. the Lord. This is good. I could talk all night. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And who knows? We were saying earlier, we might do a Christmas special, like a four Christmas hour special. <laughs> yeah. So if you, if you want a four hour episode or longer episodes, please just let us know. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in to the first real episode of the Marked Life podcast. And we hope that you learn and grew in Christ in this episode. Mm-hmm. And if, of course, as always, if you ever have questions or want to know more, or I mean, surely we might not be the per- perfect people to come to, but we are always available. Come to the like, body. Come to the body. Come to the body. Ask questions and ask for prayer. You've got Michael Crowther, Jason McCluskey, and Brendan Campana. And then we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.